Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. From Sports Radio 960 WSBT in South Bend. And of course, we have Tyler Horka back with us. I don't think he has any idea what day of the week it is or what time <laughs> it is, since he is truly fresh off the bird from Europe and he's back on the mainland after soaking in Notre Dame's impressive 42 3 victory over Navy. Well, Tyler, let me start with this. Tell me your path from Dublin to South Bend. Yeah, so um, Dublin to South Bend. Uh, I was taking myself all the way back to last Friday because that's when it really all started. But got to Dublin on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. Obviously spent some time there, did the game. Spent all of Sunday in Dublin. And um, I think I'll get into some of that later on. I got some some props to show everybody and whatnot. So it was always the plan to come back on Monday because that saved on three uh, a little bit of money. And it gave me a day, obviously, to kind of do some things that I wasn't able to do Friday and Saturday before the game. Um, I've actually got a story. I'll, I'll, I'll put it up uh, online here for our YouTube audience. Obviously, if you're listening at home on podcasts, that doesn't do a whole lot for you. But just know that uh, Sunday was tremendous and terrific. Um, went to the Brazen Head, which is the oldest pub in Ireland is what it, uh, you know, is monikered as outside the building. Apparently, I come to know that a lot of pubs in Ireland say the same thing. But um, the Brazen Head, 1198. So 1198. That's a, that's a long time ago. We're coming up on what, uh, a thousand years. Uh, got a really cool hat. For, for, again, everyone listening at home, I'm showing the YouTube audience the hat that I got from the Brazen Head. Awesome pub. 
what made it more awesome was I saw Joe Montana rolling dice at the brazen head on that Sunday when I was there. Uh, he was with his son, some other friends, and he's in the corner of the bar just playing a game, drinking a Guinness. And then the, the amount of Notre Dame fans that were there, uh, shout out to Danny and his father, Jim. Only know them on a first name basis. Don't know their last names. Doesn't matter because they came up to me. They recognized me. They said, hey, you're Tyler Hork. I just watched your stand up an hour before I came here. Um, and I recognize you. So, so we chatted about Notre Dame for like half an hour. I ended up meeting Brian and Kelly. Uh, their last name is O'Leary. So that is very Notre Dame-esque, Irish-esque right there. Chatted with them for three or four hours. Drank at the, the Brazen Head with them got their story. Uh, turns out Brian's late father was a blue and gold illustrated subscriber for the longest time. That's how Brian got in to uh, Notre Dame fandom. Again, you can read all of this at blueandgold.com. I'll end up uh, throwing on the article here in a minute, but so that was my Sunday. Woke up uh, Monday morning and flew to Madrid to have a 24 hour connection. And as great as Ireland is and, and the game and everything like that, uh, Madrid is awesome. I think I have a new favorite city and that's Madrid. Dublin is like top three or five for me in the world. Madrid instantly became number one. I was there for 24 hours, walked 10 miles, wow. 10 miles around Madrid, saw as much as I could. Uh, and then I got up this morning, 1135 was my flight Madrid time. What is that? Like four or 5 AM here in the central time zone, uh, or the Eastern time zone, uh, flew into O'Hare, landed at O'Hare, Two o'clock on the dot, which is three o'clock Eastern, obviously. Drove here. Now here I am talking Notre Dame football with you guys. So uh, that's just a little bit of my weekend. Again, uh, if you want to read more about it, go to blueandgold.com. Go to my profile. Um, three or four articles down. It's called Dublin Diary Day 3. How five Notre Dame fans at the Brazen Head completed a life-changing trip. Because that's what it was. It was a life-changing trip for me. Uh, we'll never forget it. We'll never forget the football game, too. We're going to talk about that uh, here in a minute because that was the reason for me going out there. It's just really cool that I got to experience all those other things uh, as a result of it as well. Did I hear correctly the couple's name was Brian and Kelly? Yeah, you did, but uh, I don't think Kelly spells her name K-E-L-L-I, right? It's okay. just the standard spelling for, for Brian, that Brian's wife. But, yeah, good, good catch. I didn't even think about that. All right. How about we talk some football? Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's go to some of the questions that Tyler received at Hey Hork at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Let me start things off with HTX Irish Wave. Does the performance Saturday change your expectations for the 2023 Notre Dame season? Uh, one word answer is yes, and the nuanced convoluted answer is it was just navy uh it was a season opener uh obviously so there's still 11 games left to be played i don't know how much stock you can really put in to just one game but if you're notre dame and you come out of that game i mean what what did you miss outside of literally just missing a field goal otherwise it would have been 45 to three but offensively uh, you have the ball, what is it, seven or eight times, and you score uh, seven times or six times, six touchdowns in the game. Uh, the only times that you don't score, I think, is the very last possession when Steve Angeli comes into the game. And then uh, the missed field goal attempt that I just mentioned as well. So 
obviously when you're watching Notre Dame, you want to see what um, the offense is doing because you have Sam Hartman now. And first drive, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. I mean, all the way up until halftime, this thing's 28 to zero. And you're sitting there thinking, this is exactly why Notre Dame went out and got this guy. So uh, I think it does change the expectations because remember when we were having the conversations, Darren, in April, in March and April, and Sam Hartman didn't look like he was fitting in. And I knew that was going to change. I knew Sam Hartman was going to get the feeling like Sam Hartman. But holy cow, it showed up in game one and he was almost flawless. I mean, what was he, 19 of 23 for 250 and uh, four touchdowns? Doesn't get a whole lot better than that. And then the defense pitching a shutout through 56 and a half minutes. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that, even if it is Navy. I wrote about that today at blueandgold.com, what we learned about the Navy or the Notre Dame defense after the Navy game. And when I went back and rewatched this game, it was just uh, situation after situation, Notre Dame looking fantastic. And I'm going to pop this up on the, the screen here. Uh, this is the article that I wrote at blueandgold.com. I'm trying to, it doesn't want to, uh, doesn't want to scroll for me there. But but anyway, the, the, the gist is I, I watched the game and I just saw, okay, Navy's ripping off 14 yards, 11 yards on, on those first few plays. And then all of a sudden Jordan Botello gets a huge tackle, stuffed at the line of scrimmage. That resets a possession. Javante John-Baptiste, uh, late in the first half, Navy's driving, and he gets a, a tackle for loss. Navy ends up trying to kick a field goal late in the first half just to get some points on the board, missed the field goal. So uh, offense, defense, I saw everything that I needed to see, even though it was just Navy, for me to change my expectations for this season or at least heighten them a little bit. I think the ceiling for this team might be a little bit ho- higher. What do you think, Darren? I want to mention one thing really quick about Hartman, a play that symbolized how he can be different than some of our more recent quarterbacks. When he threw the touchdown pass to Jaden Greathouse, the second one, he would, he'd moved out of the pocket. He rolled to his left and it looked like he was going to run, but he kept his head up Tyler and he found Greathouse in the end zone. And I'm betting a couple of our more recent quarterbacks wouldn't have kept their head up and looking into the end zone like he did. They would have just ran, which is fine and, and pick up yardage but he never took his eyes off his receivers downfield and made a great throw off the platform and got the Irish a very easy touchdown to Jaden Greathouse. That play kind of symbolized just one of the ways he's a little different than some of the more recent quarterbacks that we've had. You know, I've said on the show, on my show back in South Bend, since we got Sam Hartman, I felt like he was going to be the best Notre Dame quarterback since Brady Quinn. Now it's one game. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but it sure feels that way just based on, I mean, Tyler, the way he knew the offense, made the correct checks at the line of scrimmage, and once he got the football, made great decisions down the field. Those things are going to carry over. Those aren't just Navy-type plays. Those are plays that are going to happen throughout the season against the best teams in the country. So as we've talked about when you've been on my show, great quarterbacks – can cover up deficiencies on a football team. And I'm not quite sure yet where all the deficiencies are on this football team, but if they have a couple, this quarterback has the ability to cover those up. 
Yeah, and I see someone in the chat mentioning the safeties. Uh, maybe that's one of the deficiencies that we're talking about. We really didn't get to see uh, because Notre Dame was playing Navy, and I think Navy attempted, what, uh, all of seven passes. So I'm not sure about the safeties. We'll, we'll find out by the end of uh, September for sure when Notre Dame plays Ohio State, who, by the way, uh, today on Tuesday, Ryan Day mentioned that it will be Kyle McCord who is starting uh, this week against Indiana for Ohio State season opener. I expect Kyle McCord to be the starter come September 23rd against uh, Notre Dame as well. Um, but we'll see. Ryan Day says he wants to play both of those guys, Devin Brown being the other one. Look, they're both five stars, so uh, can't really go wrong. And, and maybe it is a thing where Ryan Day really feels like they can both play, but I think it'll be all Kyle McCord come September 23rd. And if those safeties are an issue, like um, here we have another comment here. James Lawrence uh, Zensi says safeties is what I'll be watching the most in week two. We'll get to a little Tennessee state talk. I think we're going to finish this podcast with uh, what we're looking for from, no from Notre Dame against Tennessee state. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're not wrong to say the secondary because we didn't see a whole lot of that in uh, week zero against Navy, obviously. But just to wrap up this conversation on what we did see from Notre Dame, again, uh, Sam Hartman looking nearly flawless. The ability to play five running backs, that's another conversation we'll get into in this podcast. And then um, defensively, I thought, you know, the, the front seven is what was going to be tested in that game. And the front seven played pretty well. You saw a play from Riley Mills, Joshua Burnham made a play. I mentioned Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, pretty much everyone. I mean, Jack Kaiser, Maris Leofau had two of their best games in Notre Dame uniforms. So um, you talked a lot about Hartman just now, Darren, but what else? I mean, I mentioned all of those other things. You had to have been impressed in some other ways too. You know, I think one thing that really impressed me more than anything else was the depth we saw on defense. And I know the comments made about the safeties a moment ago are, are extremely fair, but you take a look at the snaps in the game, Tyler. I believe there were nine defensive linemen that had at least 14 snaps in the ball game. You had the four linebackers had at least 27 snaps, Sneed being one of those. You had all the safeties in the corners playing. So my point is this. Marcus Freeman emphasized to his coaching staff, we need to build up the twos and the threes because of their limited game experience. And you had a Navy offense that we all know that can be very difficult to deal with the way Al Golden prepared this team, the game plan, and even the twos and the threes understanding their assignment so well, you take a look at late in the ball game, they were still doing a really good job stopping that Navy triple option attack or at times spread option, whatever you want to call it. I'm just really impressed. No matter how deep you went down the depth chart, there was quality play. People knew their assignments, and that's a credit to Al and the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I did an article here, and I'll, I'll pop this up. Uh, I do it for both sides of the ball where I look at pro football focus grades the very next morning uh, after the game. I mean, I, I think I was – I guess I was ahead, um, obviously. Five hours ahead, I think Ireland is. But I was up at, like – 9 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning after staying awake until um, 5.30 a.m. local to put together our blueandgold.com magazine, which if I had time to stop at the office, I would have gone by there and so I can display one here uh, on the video for our video 
YouTube live watchers right now. Don't have one. I'll get one at the office tomorrow. But yeah, up till 530. Then I'm up at nine or 10, just waiting for pro football focus grades, waiting for pro football focus grades. Um, and finally, I think at the 11 o'clock hour, which would have been six o'clock Eastern, they dropped them. And uh, I was pretty impressed, especially on offense. I'll share the, the defense here. But basically, if, if you read this here, um, grades in the 70s, and this isn't like your uh, your high school or your middle school type grading system. Grades in the 70s are, uh, what does it say here? Very good to good. So if you're getting 70s, you're doing you're doing things right. And if you if you read here, uh, let's make that a little bigger. Javante Jean Baptiste, 75.7 overall. Uh, Jack Kaiser, 73.1. Maris Leofau, 72.2. These are the guys that I was mentioning earlier, Darren, where I was like. Yeah, I, I saw them make plays. Jordan Botello, I mentioned that stuff on, on that first drive. If Jordan Botello doesn't stuff uh, Dabo Fofana on that fourth carry of the game, he might he might rip off a 10-yarder ten, ten right there, and then you're thinking, maybe he's going to tie this thing up, but it didn't happen. It's those plays that just kind of alter the momentum of drives. Notre Dame had plenty of them, and it, it kind of shows up here in these pro football for, uh, focus grades that I'm referencing here, so – I thought those are interesting. They're always interesting. Go to blueandgold.com because it is a premium article. I just gave a little bit of it away. Obviously, pro football focus is also something that you have to pay for. Um, But blueandgold.com, I'll I'll put those up, and then I'll kind of write some takeaways at the bottom of that. Uh, We'll do that one more time here. These are like my takeaways. I'm like, okay, this is what I saw from that chart. So very interesting stuff, kind of like the stuff we were talking about, Darren. But offense, defense, very good. I think it, it it alters the expectations for this team. Uh, let's move on to the next topic, though. Okay. And remind folks to make sure you give the thumbs up on this video and subscribe to the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Next up, Tyler, let's talk about the Irish offensive line. TKY21 asks, Tyler, you were concerned about the Notre Dame offensive line exiting fall camp. How do you feel now? Yeah, this was the uh, the impetus. This was the really our whole show last week, right? We started with it. I think we circled back to it in the middle, maybe even mentioned it at the end. I was very worried. Uh, but then, Darren, on, on your Sports Beat pregame radio show, you asked kind of the same question. Um, what do you kind of expect from this offensive line? And, and the answer that I gave you was – you know what? It's game day. These guys are about to play in three or four hours. And I actually feel kind of good about it now because when you think back to how it played out in fall camp, uh, fall camp was a whirlwind. It went by very quickly, but you think back on it and you say that was three and a half weeks of Rocco Spindler and um, Pat Hoogan playing starting reps at guard. And then they're, they're next to Joe Alton, Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell day after day, day after day. And at that point, I said, maybe Joe Rudolph is onto something here. I think these might be the guys. So on Monday, obviously, I was feeling a little iffy. By Saturday, I was like, let's give these guys a shot, see what they have. They played fantastic. Uh, if you go and watch some of the film again, like I said, I rewatched the game. Push after push after push. Notre Dame was getting it. Audrey Estime wasn't being contacted until he was five yards downfield. Jadarian Price is scoring a 19-yard touchdown on his first ever collegiate carry. I mean, that all goes back to the offensive line. As good as Jadarian Price is, and I, I want to shout out a um, 
Someone who said in the chat, it said something about Jadarian Price being twitchy. Um, it's a good thing that I can't find it in the chat. That means we're, we're having a lot of people uh, hone in there. But, but somebody said Jadarian Price is twitchy. Yeah, he is. But the offensive line is powerful. And I wrote about that at blueandgold.com. When you have five, a stable of five backs plus a really good offensive line, that, that's going to take you places. So um, I feel a little bit better about it now. Let me say this. It was still Navy. And look, Navy was really good against the run last year. So that let, let's do say that. I think they were a top five, top three team in college football stopping the run. So that was really impressive for Notre Dame to run for 5.9 yards per carry. But I'm not sure Navy is going to be a top five team in stopping the run this season. It just seems like maybe that was a flash in the pan type of deal. And I mentioned Pat Coogan. There was a moment there in that game where – I saw it live, and then I looked at my monitor of Eva Stadium. Uh, I'll, I'll share a, a video on you um, on Twitter here in a minute. Awesome press box setup where we're in the crowd, and but we still have like a, our own TV monitor, uh, laptop space. We, we had our own little cubicle. It's like we were in the first class of press boxes. I looked at my monitor, and there was a play where Pat Coogan literally went out to block, and he had nobody to touch. He, he, he just stood there. And was like, okay, I don't need to do anything. And we're still going to rattle off however many yards on that play. So that's the caveat. It is just Navy. Uh, we have to take it with a grain of salt. But, Darren, I think you've got to feel a little bit better about the offensive line too. Because, look, you only get 12 of these showcases a season. And they just passed number one in a really big way. Hey, let's face it. Last year they had 1.9 yards per carry against Navy. Now, having a quarterback – the scares the daylights out of the defense. That makes a major difference. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. last year, Navy, I think it's fair to say, didn't respect the Irish quarterback, and they were going to take away that running game. They did a great job, and statistically, they were great last year. But, yeah, you're right. Totally different ball game. Having that threat of the deep ball, having a great quarterback made a ton of difference. And, of course, no surprise, Joel got the number one grade of offensive line play in Week 0. In pro football focus, Fisher was okay. So I'm really intrigued. I had him at 10 and 2 at the start of the year. I'm not going to jump up yet. If they go down and they play like this against North Carolina State, I think it's time to start reevaluating my preseason conversation. Yeah, you said you had him at uh, 10 and 2. Uh, and you mentioned Joe Alt being the highest graded offensive lineman. So I'll show you some pro football focus grades. For the offense there, you're looking at that overall offense grade. Column, uh, I had Notre Dame at 9-3 and three at the beginning of the season. And this kind of goes back to um, the very first question, the title of this YouTube video and this podcast. If you're listening uh, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you so much. The title of this video is how are the expectations altered? And that is kind of a, a theme. Every single one of these questions that we ask, you can kind of resurface that question throughout it. And uh, I, I think that the expectations for me, I might be leaning more. To, I put it this way at blueandgold.com. I had nine and three at the beginning of the year. And I think that's still a possibility. This team could still go nine and three, but I'm definitely leaning more toward 10 and two with a one and two record in those big games uh, against USC, Ohio state Clemson. Um, but at this point, I think it's more likely Notre Dame 
wins two of three of those games and doesn't drop any one of those ACC games or whoever you think they could also lose to, which that was my prediction at the beginning of the year was I think Notre Dame's going to go one and two against those two, three teams. And I think they're going to drop something like a Duke or an NC state. I don't think a wake forest or a pit at home. I was really looking at NC state and Duke, but now I'm, I'm thinking if Sam Hartman is firing on all cylinders and the offensive line plays this way, they shouldn't lose to an NC state or, or Duke. Should they Darren? Absolutely not. NC State's always scared me a little bit going to Raleigh and Brennan Armstrong getting reunited with his offensive coordinator from Virginia where he threw for over 4,000 yards. So that's concerning. And this is a little apples and oranges because of personnel. But NC State has picked off Hartman six times in the last two meetings. That obviously catches your attention. But again, personnel is going to be a whole lot different and a different offensive system. Yeah, Mike Singer, our esteemed colleague at blueandgold.com both of our friend he's he's both he's our friend um he said he had them going 11 and 1 just saying so again in my hey horka there's a written version of this it's a premium article you have to be a subscriber i answer more than the questions that we're going to be answering today i said if i had to pick between 11 and 1 or 9 and 3 today i think i lean 11 and 1 but like you said darren your preseason pick was 10 and two. It, that, that's what you said, right? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's right in there right now, but with what we saw from the offensive line, which is the question that we're dissecting right now. And what we saw from Sam Hartman, which is what we talked about earlier. Notre Dame could beat a, a USC. Uh, did you see, did you see USC give up 28 points to San Jose state? Same old, same old. Exactly. And I know they scored 56 points, so you're going to have to outscore Caleb Williams and company. But did you not see it? And I know it was Navy, but just the the operation of the offense. And maybe we should talk about Jared Parker here a little bit. Um, Is that a question that we're going to get to? I I, I don't think I'll be through that in there. So let's just touch on that really quickly. What did you see from him? I thought he was good. Uh, Balance. I think it obviously helps having Hartman as your quarterback, a guy that's 24 years old, but I like the communication between the two. If Hartman didn't like that play, Parker wasn't going to shove it down his throat. He said, Hey, we have to be on the same page. So for game one, terrific game plan. You love the start. A lot of people thought, well, the Irish might get off to a slow start and they'll build and then blow them out. Hey, they were good from the get go. So I think there's absolutely nothing to complain about on the offensive side of the football. That was a picture-perfect day. Had I told you on May 1st the results were going to be like this, I mean, you would have been like, I'll take it right now. Yeah, and again, we're obviously doing this live on YouTube right now. So if you're listening at home, I'm about to show everybody a video of what I thought was one of the better calls in the game. Now, let me set the scene here. I screen grabbed this while I was on airplane Wi-Fi today. And airplane Wi-Fi is not very good. It's a miracle. I got an article up on the plane. I, you, you could either go one hour, four hours, or eight hours. And it's tiered pricing, obviously. It's a nine and a half hour flight. They were going to serve food uh, at some point. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll just wait until that. So I'll watch a movie. I watched The Big Lebowski. And then 
Um, I guess we can't show uh, the video actually, but I'll, but I can describe the play. Mike Singer is uh, saying it's a copyright issue. It's on my Twitter though. I guess I guess YouTube has different rules. I'm new to the YouTube live thing for sure, guys. You, you have to understand that. So if you are listening at home on um, on Apple or Spotify, and if you're listening on YouTube right now, let me let me set the scene. It's uh, and I can tell you the situation too. It's 14 to zero Notre Dame early second uh, second quarter. And obviously Notre Dame has the ball first and 10. I believe this is the first play of a drive. Notre Dame's on its own 22 yard line and Notre Dame throws a tunnel screen to Jaden Thomas. And it's not even a bubble. It's perfectly executed where uh, Navy's showing, uh, I want to say seven in the box four with, with four. I wish I could show you guys this seven in the box, four players uh, at the, at the yard to gain marker. So like 10 yards downfield, uh, Sam Hartman fakes to his left and then throws it out to Jaden Thomas to his right. By that point, he already had enough defenders going the other way. Um, now Mike Singer is telling me to play it to see if they copyright it. I don't want this whole video to get taken down, but uh, Mike, double down on that in the comments. If you really want me to play this, say it again and I will just so I can stop blabbering and trying to set the scene. I'm a writer. I swear. I just haven't slept in like, uh, sorry, I had you muted there. And I just, I just hadn't slept in like five days. Just say courtesy of NBC sports and we should be fine. Yeah. This is courtesy of NBC sports. Obviously that's the home of Notre Dame football. Uh, let's roll the tape. Let's roll the tape here. So there it is. You got Hartman faking left, throwing to his right. By that point, Rocco Spindler, look at Rocco Spindler and Zeke Carell get out there in front. Jaden Thomas goes underneath of Rocco Spindler's block. By that point, he's got a head of steam and can easily gain, uh, what, what was that, 15, 20-yard gain on the first play of a drive. That is Jared Parker doing some work, setting the tone. I, I talked about Notre Dame taking away momentum from the Navy offense. How about Notre Dame giving its own offense some momentum? That was a perfect example of that. Tyler, let me sneak in. Andrew had a question a couple of moments ago. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it was one of those 499 ones. And Andrew wants to know, Tyler, is Great House forcing his way into a starting role? Dating back to the spring game, he seems like Hartman's favorite target. And let me say this. Great House was on the field for eight snaps. He had three targets, three catches, two touchdowns. How about Great House only being on the field for eight snaps? If you watched that game, you felt like he was out there for 80 snaps. And I don't even think Notre Dame ran 80 offensive plays because they were so efficient they didn't need to. Uh, yeah, this is a super chat from Andrew Gilmore, by the way, 499, like you said, Darren. So appreciate you for that, Andrew. Always very, very active in the chat. Appreciate you doing what you do. To answer your question, I, look, uh, it, there's an article, and let me try to find this. I'm getting the hang of this uh, screen sharing thing. Um, I posed the, the question before the game, so sometime mid last week. Could Jaden Greathouse and, and Rico Flores – I think Rico Flores played more than Jaden Greathouse, actually. Let's, let's bring up the, uh, the snap counts. There's snap counts here um on these pro football focus charts that i have 
Enrico Flores Jr. isn't going to be near the top of it because he didn't produce a whole lot. But uh, tell me if you see him, Darren. There's my jet lag brain going to work here. I know he's somewhere. I think he actually played more than – yeah, 19 snaps. Rico Flores Jr. played 19 snaps uh, toward the bottom of the, the list on the grades. But my question at the beginning of the, the week last week was, I think Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores might be the two talent, most talented wide receivers that Notre Dame has on the roster right now. Uh, and we might have even talked about this in last week's show. I don't remember. But you only have nine scholarship wide receivers. One of them is a former running back in Chris Tyree. One of them is a former walk-on in Matt Salerno. Uh, Tobias Merriweather had a catch last year. Maybe his, but we'll see what his potential uh, eventually is. But I think Jaden Greyhouse is the best wide receiver on this team right now, Andrew. So to answer your question, yes, I think he is playing his way into a starting role. Now, Chris Tyree has the seniority, obviously, but uh, Darren, who, I mean, who's the better? Jaden Greyhouse has been doing this for years and he's doing it right away in college. I, I just think he is everything you want in a wide receiver. Tyler, I think Marcus Freeman made a good point yesterday during his press conference that when they studied Great House and Flores, they understood those two players at the high school level were being coached like college players. And that probably has a lot to do with them being able to adapt to the college game and this Notre Dame offense so quickly. And I have a feeling we're probably going to see a lot more of those guys on Saturday. Tennessee State obviously is an FCS school. They were four and seven last year, and we're expecting a blowout despite the jet lag week. But I would have to imagine once Notre Dame gets a sizable lead, you might see constant great house and floors in this game, which is going to be exciting for the fans and exciting for their development. Absolutely. And I, I will say to Tom DeMay's point uh, on the YouTube chat here, I did think Tyree looked good. I mean, it was a good sign. Uh, did he only have the one catch? Or he had a couple catches, I think it was. Uh, we can Three for 36. Three? Uh, yeah. And, and a couple of those, he was wide open, right? You love to see your your slot wide receiver getting wide open. Now, is that a Navy deficiency? Probably. But uh, you, you love to see Chris Tyree running wide open over the middle of the field. I, I thought that was a great, great sign. Um, we're about 30 minutes into this thing, Darren. So let's. I mean, we're going to have so many spinoff conversations. That's what I love about these shows. But, um, yeah, let's let's see what we got next. I tell you what, we probably should pay some bills really quick since we're halfway through. We you should. have some important information to talk about. I do. And I'm not going to blabber as much as I did last time. I'm just going to go straight from the ad read. But um, Augie's locker room, it, look, it is game week. And Augie's locker room is the place to be. If you're coming to the game this weekend, got to go to Augie's locker room. I'm about to tell you why. Because it's Notre Dame football season. When you can come for a game, you've got to make it to Augie's locker room. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana signed items, which at the beginning of this show, I told everybody that I saw Joe Montana in the flesh. I was about... 15 feet away from him at the Brazenhead pub in Dublin, Ireland. But nobody was getting autographs from Joe Montana that day. He had, I wouldn't call it an entourage or a posse or anything like that, but he had some people around him. It was family time. Again, like I said, I saw his son. So you would have been in the wrong if you walked up to Joe Montana to get an autograph. But you can go 
to Augie's locker room in South Bend, Indiana, less than a mile from campus, I believe it is, to get uh, an autographed item from Joe Montana and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues around the stadium. Augie gets new items all the time. If he doesn't have it in his store, he'll find it for you. Visit Augie at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. I mean, we're talking, what, 130 years? That's that's a lot of helmets right there. Amazing items. The helmets are some of them. You want to see them all. Visit augies-locker-room.com. No, no dashes there. I guess that's just in the ad read. Uh, augies-locker-room.com. 574-277-6363. Darren, I asked you last week, but we need to tell everybody every single week, you've been to Augie's Locker Room. What do you, what do you like about it? It just has – it's almost like you're going to shop, but it's almost like going to a museum. That's the best way to put it. It's just yeah. absolutely remarkable. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you're going to spend quite a bit of time in there. And I noticed a lot of people are asking, where exactly is it? I think this will help a lot of people. It's a couple of stumbles away from the linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I've never uh, look. Put it this way: when I go to, if you're gonna if you're gonna do those two things, I'd go to Augie's locker room first. Get your shopping out of the way. Get your sightseeing. I mean, you can go in there just to sightsee. I would personally buy a few items and uh, help Augie out because everything in there is worth buying. But get your stuff. Maybe take it back to the hotel, take it back where you're staying, uh, and then go to the linebacker. Just do some scouting. When you go to Augie's locker room, then you drive by the linebacker, you say, okay, yeah, that's where we're going next because you don't want to have a couple 32 ounces at uh, the linebacker then go. Or maybe you do. Maybe Augie wants you to because if you're within reason, maybe you start buying a lot of more stuff than you wouldn't if you didn't have those 32 ounces. So, but. Uh, point being, yes, very close to the linebacker, and everyone knows that the linebacker is right by campus. So Augie's locker room, if you're going to the Tennessee State game, Central Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, three of the next four weeks, Notre Dame's at home, right? You've got to get to Augie's locker room. Sounds good to me. It's a plan. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's just reset. This is Hey Horka, the second edition of Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. That's Tyler Horka, fresh off the bird from Europe. I'm Darren Pritchett from WSBT Radio in South Bend. Tyler and I actually worked together on the Game Day Sports Beat pregame show on 960 AM WSBT and WSBTradio.com on Game Day. Just for an example, we'll be on from noon until 2.30 this Saturday. And then, of course, the game will start at 3.30 against Tennessee State. Here's an interesting question, and this is something 
that I didn't notice during the game necessarily. But when I looked at the game stats after the game, it immediately popped up. When you think of Notre Dame football the last 15, 20 years, what do they like to be known as? Tight end you, right? Absolutely. Well, after last year, Drew Pine looked at Michael Mayer almost every play, and there's a reason for that. Other times, 101 maybe, times, if you're counting at home. Times, 101 times. Open guy, but I understand going for Michael. But here's what I noticed. There was not one tight end targeted by Irish quarterbacks in that game. And knowing the history of this offense, that's very surprising. So, Arrow fan 624 wants to know, Tyler, your thoughts on the lack of tight end production. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I had the benefit of being at the game, so I kind of got a sense for everything that was happening. To your point, Darren, I noticed it in the game. And maybe that is because what we saw last year with Drew, uh, a combination of Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, mostly Drew Pine, targeting Michael Mayer 101 times in 12 games. He didn't even play the bull game. That's a lot of targets. And then you go to zero for three uh, tight ends who I think it was three tight ends who played. We're looking here at Holden stays, Mitchell Evans, Davis Sherwood, 27 players registered pro football focus uh, grades on the Notre Dame offense. Tight ends ranked 24, 25 and 27. And what does Tobias Merriweather who's 26 have in common with those three tight ends? didn't catch a football. Now he got targeted a couple of times. We remember the non PI call um, and maybe my jet lag brains kicking in, but I don't remember the other target. I do know that he got targeted two times though. The tight ends got targeted no times. And that's going to bring your offensive grade from pro football focus here down significantly. And in your passing grade as well, because receiving stats figure into that. And then you want to look at blocking grades too, uh, run blocking, um, I'm just trying to get my bearings here is over here. Uh, David Sherwood, he's the H back. You need him to run block. He posts a 53.3 in run blocking Mitchell Evans. He's your number one tight end. He posts a 57.5 in run blocking. So if you're not going to be catching passes or even generating targets, you need to be doing all those little things right Darren. And we didn't see that. So production's twofold for me. These tight ends don't need to catch a whole lot of passes. We just talked about a freshman potentially being Notre Dame's most talented wide receiver in Jaden Greathouse. That is phenomenal. That is the future. That's potential. So you don't need a Michael Mayer on this team, but what you do need is serviceable tight ends. I didn't see enough of it in both phases, both the passing game and the running game. And to answer Arrowfan 624's question, Shout out Arrow fan, one of the best guys that we have on the blueandgold.com message board. If you want to get in the mix with him uh, on a daily basis, definitely sign up for blueandgold.com right now. To answer his question, uh, I think this is going to be the norm, Darren. I'll let you take it away here in a minute, but I don't see, and, and look, I don't see a Michael Mayer on a, lo a lot of other teams across the country, so let's just say that. He's one of one. But I don't think I see anything close to Michael Mayer. And then I, I don't see a healthy Eli Raritan on the field right now either, which puts this uh, tight end group at the three guys that I just mentioned. David Sherwood's a, a former walk-on, like I said, serviceable player. Notre Dame loves to play him at the H-back position. I mean, um, but he only played 10 snaps. 
Holden stays uh, played 39. Mitchell Evans played 50. So you're really relying on two guys. And they just didn't do a whole lot for me in either phase of the game. Uh, what about you, Darren? I think Holden stays is coming. I think by midseason, I think you're going to see an impact player. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't split him out every once in a while. So I, I think his development is still coming. Mitchell Evans, we saw him get the start in the Gator Bowl. He had three catches down there and a touchdown. Obviously, Raritan's kind of the key. You wish he was ready at this particular point, but give him credit. He felt like he came back too quick from the ACL the first time, so he's being more patient this time. You know, Tyler, maybe mid toward the end of the year, he starts to make an impact because he might have one of the higher ceilings of this group in terms of being a pass catcher. But I, I think something tells me Holden stays is going to be a factor in the passing game before it's all said and done. It may not happen right away. I think eventually he's someone to watch out for. And what do you think about Eli Raritan? I, I mean, I was at practice 12 times this fall, and he looked like he could practice to me or he could play. And uh, obviously they're being cautious with him. Two ACL tears in like 10 months, I think it was. That's scary. But you know what else is scary? Eli Raritan when he's at full force. Um, this might be a situation, Darren. You just talked up Holden Stays. I've been on the Eli Raritan bandwagon for a long time, uh, before that ACL injury, obviously, and even after it, are those the two most talented tight ends on this team? I think you can make that argument. I'm big on Raritan, too. I was disappointed that he just wasn't to the point to be a factor as of yet. I am extremely high on him. So Stays and Raritan, I think the Irish are in good hands. And it sure seems like the coaching staff, I don't want to put words in their mouth, so you can validate this or say I'm nuts. But I got the sense that Cooper Flanagan is farther along as a freshman than the coaches anticipated. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to start getting 30 snaps a game. Don't get me wrong. But it sure seems like that they really feel like he's progressing a lot sooner than expected. And what was the ultimate example or indication of that? He's on special teams. Uh, what is it? Um, primary kick return I think he's one of the primary blockers out there so they trust that he can play um and I think if you're gonna play him on special teams every single game and burn his red shirt don't you think he's gonna eventually play offensively especially for a position group that why are we talking about it right now because Aerofan624 asked the question no production what do you think about it what do you think moving forward Michael Mayer caught passes as a true freshman. Uh, Cooper Flanagan's wearing number 87. Like, uh, there's some, some parallel. He's not, again, he's not Michael Mayer. But if he's a good player, then, then play him, right? Tyler, let me, let me go back to something because you did that great work right after Hartman picked Notre Dame. You went through every Wake Forest game and you analyzed everything Hartman did in those games. And I'm going off the top of my head trying to, to picture Wake Forest stats. But am yeah. I right? Hartman didn't go to the tight end that often. Now, he had a really good set of wide receivers. Let me emphasize that. But I don't think the tight end was a big part of the Wake Forest offense. So I don't know if that's just that offense or this was a game where the Navy defensive backs were playing so far off the wide receivers, it was easy pickings. 
that's better for you to judge at the game because sometimes TV blocks us from everything we need to see. But it could be something that Sam has been so used to throwing to the wide receivers in the Wake Forest offense. Maybe that's something that will develop in time. That's just a wild guess. Yeah, and I'm pulling up Wake Forest stats right now. Bad podcasting for those who are listening at home, but I'm about to show them. Um, I think I remember all these guys' names. Let's see. This is Wake Forest uh, receiving stats last year. A.T. Perry, wide receiver. Taylor Moore and wide receiver. Jamal Banks, Keyshawn Williams, Donovan Green. Those are all wide receivers. Uh, Blake Whitehart. I think that's who we're looking at right here. Let me just make sure he's a tight end. He is. Um, Let's go back here. So if you're listening at home, so these ads on on sports reference are crazy. But if you're listening at home – Blake Whitehart was Wake Forest tight end last year. He was the number one tight end. 24 catches, 295 yards, three touchdowns. Um, as we said, there are no Notre Dame tight ends on pace for that right now because everyone's on pace for zero. Once they actually catch a, a pass, that will change. I to, to go back to what you were saying, Darren, I think that's a combination of Sam Hartman throwing the ball to the outside, wanting to get uh, A.T. Perry catches, Donovan Green catches, Jamal Banks. Those are all wide receivers right there. Um, and, and what is the tight end doing most of the time? Some curls and some hitches and some digs over the middle of the field. That's not really where Sam Hartman's looking all the time. Look, what? where was uh, Jaden Greathouse's first touchdown caught? I know he's a slot guy. But it was, a, it was a fade. It was a seam route. It was a seam route down the middle of the field. He's looking deep. He's looking to the edges. Tight ends aren't normally there. So, Darren, I think you raise an excellent point. Um, I'll ask you right now before I take this off the screen. Do you think a Notre Dame tight end gets to 24 catches, 295 yards, three touchdowns this season? we got 11 games left in the regular season. Yeah. And with all those wide receivers that are in the mix right now, you saw the running backs targeted, multiple running backs targeted. Boy, it's There's only one football to go around, Tyler. I, I don't know. That might be a stretch. Maybe the tight end room gets 30 catches for the year. Is that too low? But I don't know if one single guy gets to 24. That's That's tough. Yeah. Um, there's a good point here made by Kevin Pluta. Did Notre Dame keep the tight ends kind of in line to help with blitz pickup against Navy? Yeah. Uh, my colleague Jack Sobel rewatched the offense. I was focused on the defense. I mentioned that a little bit earlier on today. Definitely a possibility there, I would say. Um, but what I'm looking for now is Notre Dame pro football focus. You can find, um, and maybe we'll just have to save this conversation for another day to, to answer that question. Pro football focus. You can see how many routes that these guys actually ran. So um, yeah, I really want to try to pull this up. So well, just thoughts on that really quickly, Darren, while I try to get this up, when you were watching the game, is that something you saw where the tight ends were just block, block, block. We don't want you to run routes. Partially. I, I didn't keep track of that to be perfectly honest with you. I was spending so much time focusing on the skill position players, to be quite honest with you, because they were coming out at a a quick rate. But, yeah, there was that's fair to bring up. I think 
once we get further into the schedule, NC State, we'll start to learn a lot more about what Coach Parker wants to do. Hey, and you're, I think you nailed it a moment ago. With the way the defensive backs were playing off the receivers, I mean, it was easy pickings for Hartman to find the guy he was looking for. So I think that was just a game where the tight end wasn't focused on. Next game, it might be totally different. Who knows? But they obviously miss Bauman. I mean, they've been without him so much due to injuries. He's kind of that balanced tight end. It'd be great to have him. But I'll stick with Stays and Raritan as as we move forward. They're going to be very exciting players for this for this football team. And I'm just excited Sam Hartman did not get sacked, did not have an interception. It was just a really solid, clean performance by that front. And all the talk about the chemistry of the offensive line looked good, at least for the first game. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, I can't tell you how many routes they ran because Pro Football Focus sorts its offensive statistics and when you get into the more streamlined stuff by uh, – so, so, for example, when I go to offense receiving, you have to register a receiving grade or, or you had to have been targeted – and they weren't targeted, so I can't tell you how many receiving routes they ran because they don't even appear on the chart. Is that not the most telling thing in all of this, that I can't even tell you how many routes they ran because they didn't even register? It's like it's like, it's like Corey Seager's batting 350 or whatever this season, but he, does, he hasn't had enough at-bats to qualify for the batting title, so he's like out of the race unless he stays healthy the rest of the year. Right now, the Notre Dame tight ends are out of the race in the worst way. Andrew made an interesting point. He said, I think Notre Dame was purposely trying to establish the wide receivers. When things settle in, the tight end will factor in. Yeah, no, for sure. And we'll end this conversation with that. If you have wide receivers to establish, establish them. Throw the ball to Jaden Greathouse. Uh, Jaden Thomas, to me, looks like a number one wide receiver. I was saying all offseason that, yeah, he could be that guy. He could be that guy. I showed the tunnel screen earlier. Uh, the touchdown was terrific. He can catch footballs at all three phases from what I see. Establish that guy. Uh, if Deion Colsey is going to be a one, two, three catch, you know, token catch per game type of guy, if he can give you that touchdown five to six times per year, that's going to help you. Um, if he can catch another big pass like he did last year on third down, that's going to help you. Establish Chris Tyree. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great point by Andrew Gilmore because I totally agree, and I think you do too, Darren. Um, let's move this thing along to the to the finale, right? All right. Let's see. We've got two left. Let's go with Slev Mania. Do you see Notre Dame making a five-man running back rotation and a seven-man wide receiver rotation a regular thing this season, or do you think they'll narrow it down by Ohio State? So obviously there's two parts to that question. Um, the running back thing. I think that's the more interesting one because uh, we actually had another message board poster who kind of responded to that question and was like, why don't they just establish Audric Estime and look what he does when he has the ball. Why can't he be getting it 20 to 25 times a game as opposed to 20 you know, 15 to 20, which it was 16 on um, on Saturday, right? 16 for 95 and a touchdown. Let me tell you what Audric Estime's stats would be if he went for the exact same 
stat line that he went for on Saturday. If he had 16 carries for 95 yards and one touchdown every single game, and he had two catches for, um, or I think it was, yeah, two catches for 300 or, or two catches for 26 yards. If he does that over a 13 game season, and Notre Dame wants to play a 14 game season, um, but this is just 13, 208 carries, 1,235 yards, 13 touchdowns. That's 5.9 yards per carry. 26 catches for 338 yards. And he's bound to catch a couple touchdowns in there too. Um, but that's just projecting out based on what he had. Let me say that again. 208 carries, 1,235 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. 13 touchdowns, 26 catches, 338 yards. So if you're sitting there at home screaming, estimate, 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 he's losing carries. He only, uh, I think Notre Dame registered 32 carries. He had exactly half of them. Why isn't he getting three-fourths or whatever it is? Would you not take those numbers, Darren, for, for an entire season? Those are massive numbers. Absolutely, you would take that in a second. I think maybe something we should think about, Tyler, when we have these conversations. I don't mean to jump ahead, but we're in the media. We're not a player. We're not a coach. We can look ahead. But that Ohio State game, I think as our – messenger pointed out is it going to be different for ohio state well if you look at the running back room i think it might be different we all should respect the ohio state pass rush it's going to be a challenge for what we hope is a really good fighting irish offensive line and that might be a situation where you put your best running back protectors in the ball game if you've got hypothetically speaking Two of your five that aren't very good in that area, they're not going to be in the ballgame on third down. So I think it's going to be pared down due to circumstances in that Ohio State game. Audric's going to be your running back number one. I think it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be number two at that point. I think they like Payne's uh, blitz pickup. So he's probably going to be in the conversation at Ohio State. I'll tell you what, the price kid just looks electric. And so you got him, you got Ford who has experience at Penn state. You got a lot of different ways to go, but I think you got to make sure on third down in particular against Ohio state, you better have a running back that's willing to stick his nose in there and protect his quarterback. Absolutely. And, th and that's a great point. And if that's Devin Ford, then the running back rotation, you know, has to expand to five to five guys what did he get one carry the other night but if he can protect then he's got to be in the game if it's Jabron Payne um how many carries did Jabron Payne have uh it's, it's got to be Jabron Payne right so th th there's nuance to this obviously and I think the reason you have so many different running backs playing is kind of what we talked about uh, on the pregame show Darren and then last week as well if they can all do different things, then then you play them all, right? Like, Jadarian Price isn't going to score a 19-yard touchdown on his first carry of every single game, but there were probably a lot of other guys who you put in that exa exact same spot and for whatever reason uh, doesn't jump through the massive hole that there was as quickly or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe that doesn't go for a touchdown if it's anybody, but it's Jadarian Price, so it does go for a touchdown. Uh, Jeremiah Love had a very strong play where – Everyone talks about him as just the speedster. There's some strength in that frame too. So they can all play. 
I think they all will play. And again, it all circles back to what I said about Audric Estime's stats. If he can give you that every single game, you take it and you play your other guys. At wide receiver, Darren, I'll let you take this one first. Um, Seven-man rotation, that's what it was. Um, We can look at the – I'll look at the snaps. But um, basically, in the nine scholarship wide receiver room, your only guys who weren't playing were Braylon James, true freshman, and K.K. Smith, true freshman who is injured, and you're not going to see him probably all year. Um, do, do you stick with all seven of these guys going forward? Is, is Matt Salerno in the regular rotation for you? I always go back to the Ohio State game. I feel like that's the barometer. How am I going? How am I going to handle my personnel against Ohio State? I think Jaden Thomas is the one guy that needs to be on the field at all times. That is as close to an alpha as you're going to have this year. But you're going to give Tobias Merriweather another shot, try to see what he can do, keep working with him. A lot of talent there. Let's see if we can get some good plays to happen on the field with him, get him some confidence. Tyree looks great. I mean, great house. I don't mean to make the blue goal game a barometer, but that coupled with what we saw on Saturday, the kid knows how to run routes. It sure seems like he's really good at understanding zone and where to go. I mean, he's way ahead of his time. It sure feels like to me. So do I go seven deep against Ohio state? Tyler, I, I just don't think I can go that deep. Okay. But if everybody's playing well, I would have to think Thomas, Merriweather, Tyree, Great House are on the field and in the rotation. Flores is coming too, so it's hard to take him off the field. I hope I'm not leaving somebody out here. Oh, Colsey. And Colsey. You know, we'll see how Colsey's role expands, but I, I don't know if I can go any further than that against the elite teams on my schedule. I've got some interesting stats courtesy of Pro Football Focus here. Uh, you, you nailed it with the first three guys that you mentioned. Uh, slightly out of order, though, Darren. I'm looking at receiving routes run. Tobias Merriweather actually ran the most receiving routes of any Notre Dame player in that game. Uh, he ran 19 routes where he was actively looking to have the ball thrown his way. Only generated two targets Um do the math on that. That's not a great t- target share. Jaden Thomas, 17 routes, uh, four targets, caught all four of his passes. That l- Listen to this drop-off. Tobias Merriweather, 19. Jaden Thomas, 17. Chris Tyree, nine receiving routes run. Uh, four targets, three catches. That's a pretty good day at the office where if you're targeted on almost half of the, re- the routes that you run and then you catch a third, you're catching a pass on a third of the routes that you run. Good day at the office. Um, Jaden Greathouse ran seven routes and he was targeted three times. He had three catches. So you're right in that same ballpark of almost half. Uh, and then obviously the receptions um, is a little bit higher than Tyree's uh, percentage there. And then you mentioned Deion Colsey. How about this for Deion Colsey? Four receiving routes run. Three targets, three catches. That's um, you, you mentioned. Does he expand his role? Does he? I'm going to ask you point blank. Is it is it coming for Deion Colsey? 
he's the one we've talked about that it's hard to define where he fits in. You got Thomas and Merriweather who seem like they are, or at least in the offseason, ready to take the big jump, and, and Thomas appears to be doing that. Then you got the young pups. Tyler, it's, it's tough. I'll, I'll say this. I mean, don't you agree? And this is an if at this point. I'm not going to base an entire season on one game. But if you don't see consistency in production on a Merriweather, doesn't that open the door for Colsey then to get that opportunity? Or Colsey just starts playing so well, it forces the hand of the coaching staff. The interesting thing there is I think Notre Dame loves Jaden Thomas at boundary. And to me, the only position Deion Colsey can play is boundary. So if Tobias Merriweather phases out of this rotation, which I I don't want to say that lowers the ceiling of this offense, but it takes a little bit away. Like you thought you had a little deep threat with Tobias Merriweather uh, and you still have deep threats on this team, but that straight line burning type thing that Merriweather has that you saw against Stanford last year, you lose that. And if you do lose that, I think you have to shuffle Jaden Thomas over to field and then put Deion Colsey at boundary, which I believe is what we were seeing. Um, now, I think Jaden Thomas was playing slot in the spring. That's how versatile that guy is. But so you can move Jaden Thomas. It, I mean, look, if Tobias Merriweather has two or three more games like that before Ohio State, you can't keep doing it. It's the definition of insanity. You can't keep running him out on the field. But he's got time to improve. I think Notre Dame's best lineup is when he's maybe not. He doesn't have to be a starter, but a factor. I think Notre Dame's best offense is if he were to be a factor. But if he's not a factor, I think you take him off the field. Um, and, and, yeah, Deion Cole – Deion Colsey produced more than Tobias Merriweather did in far fewer opportunities. So um, to answer the overall question, and we'll move on to this last question to the last question. Um, yeah. I, even though Matt Salerno had that awesome catch against Ohio state last year, if you have six guys and Tobias Merriweather is one of those that you run out there and you feel comfortable can make a, a big play. I don't think you see a whole lot of Matt Salerno against Ohio state. So that wide receiver rotation is going to live in like the five to seven range for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to get Merriweather involved very early in the game against Tennessee State. Get his yeah. hands on football. And to that point, uh, Matt Boer, I hope I pronounced that right. What if Merriweather has zero catches again this next game? Uh, if he runs 19 routes and doesn't catch a, bat, a pass against Tennessee State, you, you have an issue. You – you run into a, hey, let's have an intervention. Like, can we keep putting him on the field this much type of thing? So breakout game. It needs to be one for Tobias Merriweather. We need to see him do something. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, 
It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Before we get to the last question, a couple of people have mentioned this in the chat, and it's worth mentioning. Maris Leifau was fantastic. In yeah, no, I, I joked on Sportsbeat, you always know where he is because of his long hair, and he was playing <laughs> like his hair was on fire in that ball game. I mean, he was pursuing the ball. That was an outstanding performance. He and Kaiser, I thought, were off the chart good in that game. And uh, what were they, the number two and three graded players from Pro Football Focus? Yeah, JJB number one. And Jack Heiser, number two, Maris Leifau, number three. So, yeah, th- those guys were good. And I think I'll, I'll probably about to talk about the defense right now. Spoiler, spoiler. Darren, what's that last question? All right. This is from KCN Demis 97. What parts of the team do you think we can gain more insight on after the Tennessee State game? What would be a good indicator of what Notre Dame is against a team so inferior? When you have a team that you're supposed to blow out like this, you're playing an FCS team for the first time in program history, which go to the message board, blueandgold.com. There's a lot of people that aren't very happy about that. I'm miffed. I mean, Notre Dame just got off a flight. I'm about to go to sleep as soon as this thing ends. In the next five to ten minutes, I swear, I'm off the bed. Uh, I guarantee you Notre Dame players a couple days ago when they got home did the same thing. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't happy about – so let's just briefly mention that, Darren, because I saw your face and you were like – but it's – Notre Dame is obviously one – I think it's – is it two schools now that's never played an FCS team? For a long time it was USC, UCLA, and Notre Dame. Those – And I I think – Could have changed. I think one of them played an FCS team last year. So – yeah, I think I think USC maybe is going to be the last team standing. Um, you guys can look that up, but that that's kind of the situation. There's a lot of people that are angry about tearing down history or whatever it is. Here's the rebuttal to that. This is history. Uh, two black head coaches, which is a really big deal. Uh, Marcus Freeman and Eddie George were both um, very happy that Notre Dame's playing in HBCU. Notre Dame is inviting – a historically black college and university to South Bend to play a major college football game in front of 77,000 people. I think that's pretty cool. Um, A lot of people think that the FCS thing trumps that. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions for sure. Um, Eddie George went to Ohio state. Marcus Freeman went to Ohio state. Like the storylines are pretty cool here. Uh, A lot of people on the message board angry about that. Uh, Darren, are you? No, I, I don't feel that passionately about it. And my 25th year being here in town covering the Irish comes in December. And there's a lot of things that were very traditional that people are going to be so upset about. We've kind of moved on. There were so many people, Tyler. Oh, my gosh. Natural grass is gone. They're getting field turf. The history. Don't put in a video board. And now you take a look at November, the field. You don't have to worry about it. The video board, if used a little better, could be a very important tool in helping getting the crowd excited in home games. It's still pretty good right now, but I think it can be better based on what we see in other stadiums. So there's a lot of things people have been upset about through the years. And then, you know what? Time moves on. 
everything's okay. I I thought I was going to hate the Nike symbol on the Major League Baseball jerseys, and now I don't notice it anymore. You know, it just you get over it. So I do hate. Uh, I I think Houston has a huge ad, and maybe some other teams like right on the sleeve, and you'll see a batter. <laughs> and that's all you see in the broadcast. Ew. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look at it this way, Tyler. If fans don't want them to play in FCS school, then they should say to the team, don't go to Europe. Yeah. Because in 2012, the team was sleepwalking against Purdue, Tyler. It was one of those games which Everett Golson was the starting quarterback. And at that time, Tommy Reese knew the two-minute drill better than Everett Golson. So with the game tied with two minutes or so to go, they put in Tommy Reese, and I don't think the fans were very excited about that at the time, but he let him down the field, game-winning field goal, and they got out of Dodge winning by a field goal in a game had they lost, they would have went to the championship game against Alabama. So yeah. I lived it. It was a tough game for the guys. Purdue was not, if I remember correctly, and people listening can yell at me in the chat, but I don't think they were that great that year. So that could have been a devastating loss. They got through it. So that's just part of going overseas. I think you have to be really, really careful who you play in that next game. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to Tennessee State, but they were 4-7 and seven last year. And I have a feeling it's probably going to be a, a pretty easy day on Saturday. So I think if you're mad about it, then tell Jack Swarbrick and Pete Provacqua, don't go to Europe anymore. Let's just play the game at Notre Dame Stadium. It, it- I should know this by now, but is it a thing where they could have scheduled this FCS game or chosen a buy like they had the options? Or if they didn't schedule the FCS, would the schedule have kind of came out? And I, I think it's a thing where they could have had a bye week. I would have chosen that personally. But if you are going to choose an FCS team, uh, you see the article on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. I wrote about it uh, for Blue and Gold Illustrated. For the reason you mentioned, Darren, going to Europe and just getting back and playing the next week, that makes sense for it to be an FCS team. And then the Eddie George thing, the HBCU thing, uh, I just think it's kind of cool. Like there's other H or excuse me, there's other FCS teams that would not move the needle. I think um, Tom DeMay on the chat said, because it's Eddie George, because it's an HBCU, like this is kind of cool. It makes me get up a little bit for it. Uh, get up for it a little bit more. Um, so there's all of that. And now let's get to the question. And I think you segued it perfectly until I just went on a little mini rant there. Uh, this should be a blowout. And if it's not, bad look for Notre Dame. Um, now I think it's going to be. I think I picked 48 to 7. I think Notre Dame – and th- we make our picks for the magazine before the – game before that is played if that makes sense so like last week i made a tennessee state prediction before the navy game was even played and this whole entire video is entitled does do the expectations change my expectations have changed a little bit i think notre dame can hang 50 for sure maybe even shut tennessee state out that would be a really nice score line 56 to 0 somewhere in there if it's like 45 to 21 you're sitting there thinking oh no like I thought this defense was good. How did Tennessee State score 21 points? So my answer to this question, Darren, is dominant defense is what Notre Dame can show me to let me know that, yeah, this team is going along nicely, taking care of business. Because if it was even like, I think 35, 
is probably a little light, but like if Notre Dame won 38 to zero, totally fine with that. Maybe Sam Hartman didn't even throw a pass in the fourth quarter. Um, but if Notre Dame won 38 to 14, uh, 45 to 14, even something like that, I'm starting to think, how the heck did Tennessee State score 14 points in South Bend? What is it for you, Darren? And it doesn't have to be a score. It could just be anything where you're like, yeah, Notre Dame did what they had to do. Let's move on to NC State. That's a great question because my answer coming in was basically if they win 47 to nothing or 72 to nothing, it's kind of the same. And my point being, I don't think anybody wants to embarrass anybody else. You know what I'm saying in this particular situation? I don't think Marcus Freeman wants to win 72 to nothing, but you do want to win convincingly in this particular ball game. If this football team comes ready to play and they execute, everything's going to take care of itself. I would be shocked if they score anything more than 14. I would be disappointed if they get to double digits, to be perfectly yep. honest. Yep. So I'm going to set kind of a high standard this week. I think we should have a high standard for this football team. I had this conversation on my radio show last Wednesday. Where I just brought up this simply. If Notre Dame is going to be an elite team or has a chance to be an elite team, they should blow out Navy. None of this 35-28 or 35-20. If they are as good as we think they can be, they will blow out this Navy team. Now, I'm not guaranteeing they're going to be elite. I'm glad they blew them out. That makes me feel good. The team looks so good. So I just need for that to carry over. I don't want this to be a game in which they don't look good because I just, I don't care what other people think, but at the same time, I don't want to hear all the sports radio people and the writers and newspapers who anytime Notre Dame does something they think is negative, they have to write about it. If they beat Tennessee state 40 to 21, Oh my gosh, the world's ending. I just don't want to deal with that garbage this week. So I just <laughs> want to go out, play a solid game. Hopefully they stay healthy. Let's keep the momentum going. Don't have a step yeah. back. Momentum going, come right out of the gate, jump on them early, build a nice lead, and don't take the foot off the pedal and get ready for Raleigh and, and North Carolina State. So I just want to see consistency, and it should happen against this Tennessee State team. Totally agree. And, and to me, it's you didn't you mentioned Notre Dame not wanting to embarrass Tennessee State. Obviously not, because there is, and, and that's what comes with Notre Dame scheduling you get these magnitude games like week zero magnitude. Uh, I haven't, I, for everyone watching and listening, we talked about it earlier. We haven't uh, talked about Ireland enough. I mean, I was there. It was incredible. That's magnitude. And now you're playing an FCS opponent for the first time. Everyone's talking about it on Monday. Go read the message board. It's a hot topic. That's magnitude. What other team in the country on August 29th has had so much to talk about in their first two opponents whose opponents, I mean, th those teams might go, those teams might win five games total this year between the two of them. That's a possibility, but we're talking about them and we're talking about what Notre Dame is doing against them. So that's a Notre Dame thing. And you're right there. And it's, you need Notre Dame to come out and, and take care of business and taking care of business changes depending on the opponent, taking care of business against Tennessee state at home is, looking like 50 to, you know, a lot to a little type of game. 
Um, and, and specifically for me, it's defense. It's those linebackers. Somebody in the chat mentioned that Tennessee State has some good speed, some good offensive speed. There are multiple reasons why you would play at Tennessee State. Obviously, you can be a really good athlete, but something is holding you back from playing at one of these other schools. Jack Kaiser's playing for Notre Dame. Maris Leaval is playing for Notre Dame. J.D. Bertrand's playing for Notre Dame. They should be able to shut down the middle of the field. Benjamin Morrison should be able to lock down anyone he faces on, on Saturday. Anybody he faces, he should be able to lock them down. Cam Hart is 6'2", 6'3", with length that NFL scouts love. We, we've, we've already heard that through some sources in fall camp and whatnot. He should be able to lock down anyone on Tennessee State right there. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. It, like, we thought Notre Dame shut down Navy when Navy had the ball, and they did. This is a, a more traditional offense. I was looking into it. Uh, Tennessee State's offensive coordinator comes from UTEP, where he was a wide receivers coach. So obviously he's going to want to pass the ball a little bit. I think it's an RPO-based offense. Notre Dame's going to see a lot of RPOs all season against a lot better athletes than Tennessee State. Shut these guys down because you can. It's like a Herb Brooks quote almost. Um, yeah, that, that's what I want to see. And I think, Darren, you, you pretty much said everything that you want to see as well. Yeah. I want to end with this. You know, being in the broadcast business for 25-plus years and you know doing some games myself, we had Mike Tirico for a couple of years on NBC, who, of course, is the best of the best. A rising star in the industry was Noah Eagle. And I really thought Noah brought up the best in Garrett in that game. You know, Jason's still trying to get his feet wet as an analyst, but I felt like he drew information out of Jason, and it was a very enjoyable broadcast. And now Paul Burmeister is moving from radio to TV this week to work with Garrett and – uh, Tony Simeone, one of my hockey buddies and does Notre Dame basketball, he's going to do the radio call. But Noah Eagle, his dad, Ian Eagle, is, of course, a terrific broadcaster on CBS. And Noah's going to be a, a terrific broadcaster as well. So it was really cool to hear him and, and Garrett work together on, on Saturday against Navy. And probably a couple of years, we'll be like, yeah, that's that kid that kind of got one of his first starts in the Notre Dame game. I know he did the Vikings-Colts game, the greatest comeback in NFL history last year, but you know, I thought he did a really nice job, and I'm sure he didn't have all month to prepare for it. It sounds like this was kind of one of those last-moment situations. So, Noah, nice job. If you were not told who it was before the game, and like would would you just say that was Ian Eagle? Like, yes. Holy moly. And that's a good thing. It's a, If you're Ian Eagle's son, it's a good thing to sound like your dad because – He's got the voice for it. You recognize that talent, Darren, for sure. Um, and I think the common person can hear it, know, know who's good, who's not as well. I think everybody's on the same page there. Yeah. Yeah. So Burmeister, he did the Tennessee Titans TV games during the preseason. So there's a big difference between radio and TV. I think he's going to hit a home run. In fact, I thought Burmeister might move from radio to TV two years ago. But he does a great job on the radio. So as a radio person, I don't want to lose him, but Paul's going to do a great job. Uh, apparently, my jet lag might have set in <laughs> earlier. If I said Ohio University, I didn't mean to. Obviously, I know where Eddie George uh, played college football. Obviously, I know where Marcus Freeman played college football. I'm going to say something that well, – actually, I don't even really agree with it, but I just want to see how the chat reacts right before we sign off. They played at the Ohio State 
University. Uh, I, I I do know that. So you sorry like if I said that. Fan, calling it Ohio U. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't want to be com- – yeah. Really quick, uh, Sam Hartman on Monday was on the Dan Patrick Show, mm-hmm. and he relayed the information. As a kid, he was a Michigan fan and didn't necessarily dislike Notre Dame, but that was kind of one of the rivals, but he really didn't like Ohio State. So he has a chance to hopefully take care of the team that he used to root against as a kid. But, yeah, he was a Michigan guy as a kid. That's a ABC game, right? I think it is the the Notre Dame Ohio State game. Yeah, no, that's NBC. Oh yeah, it's at home. It's at home. Duh. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's AB. There's jet lag again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but College Game Day could theoretically be there, even though NBC has the broadcasting rights. Don't you think ESPN would play into that a million? Just get a camera right in front of Sam Hartman's face and just try to pry out of him how much he hated Ohio State when he was growing up that's got McAfee written all over it yep <laughs> yep all right before all right. you do the uh the official sign off darren i just want to show i, I showed yeah. everybody this hat that i got in ireland um awesome hat if you ever do go to ireland go to the brazen head also need to go to the jameson distillery though because I don't know if everyone can see that. This is actually something I got at the airport because I didn't have time to go to the Jameson Distillery. But you can only get this in Europe at European Union airports, I believe. So I was in Dublin Airport at uh, 7.30 a.m. Monday morning, passing through like the little kiosks or whatever. And I I ended up going on to Madrid, like I said, and turns out they had these same bottles at the Madrid airport too. Feels a little less special that way. But again... It's a travel exclusive product of Ireland, triple, triple, triple distilled, triple cask, sherry, bourbon, and Malaga casks. I don't know if I said that right. For a subtle sweetness and extra drop of smoothness, uh, 7.30 a.m., they let me sample it in the airport. And I was like, you know what? I might as well. I want to know what I'm getting. I cannot wait to dive into this. Um, has anyone ever had it in, in the uh, – Derek Galloway's uh, giving away my secrets here, $100 plus for that bottle. I'm not going to tell you how much I paid, but I will say I bought two bottles because I want to get some home to my family at some point, whether they drive up here or whatever. I don't know how I'm going to get it to them, but they're going to get it. Uh, got a free hat. Got a free Jameson hat when I bought two bottles. So I don't know. I I felt like I had to come back with something, Darren, and might as well come back with some of the greatest Irish whiskey you can get out there, right? Hey, don't waste that Jameson on anybody or any occasion. That's got to be a special person and a special occasion. So I'm going to let you decide if Singer falls into that category. (laughs) I would make sure it's a real special occasion before you, you jump into that. Let's put it this way. If I don't still have this bottle... This time next year, something's gone terribly wrong. I've either been robbed or I've fallen on hard times because, like you said, this is only going to come out for the specialist of special occasions. I tell you what, when Notre Dame beats Ohio State and we have yeah. work for the following Monday, you're going to do a little sample. Let's, let's put that out there right now. If Notre Dame beats Ohio State on September 23rd on the Hey Horka the following Monday, I will do – a little shot of Jameson triple triple. 
There you go. And if anybody out there has just Jameson or anything like that, we'll do send the videos to Tyler yeah. and hey, we'll make it happen on social media. We'll make it an event. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'll put it on social media too. Uh, definitely follow me at TB Horka. The tweet that I put up earlier, um, I do all kinds of stuff like that at Twitter. Um, really try to be engaging with Notre Dame fans, um, X, whatever you want to call it now. I still call it Twitter. But a lot of Notre Dame fans live on that social media platform and just the amount of content that we all put out there. Mike Singer does an excellent job with his Twitter account. Uh, Jack Sobel is getting into it, obviously. Kyle Kelly. Uh, Kyle Kelly's got a tweet. Let's end with this. Let's end with this, Darren. How about that? Um, Kyle Kelly has a tweet that's going bonkers right now on Twitter. Um, so set the scene. I came directly from the Chicago airport. I was not able to go to media interviews. I literally walked in my door at 7.50. We were live on the air at 8. Um, Kyle Kelly was at interviews helping us out. He's a recruiting um, guy for us mainly. But reporters just finished speaking with Notre Dame linebacker Jack Kaiser. He said starters had first-class plane seats on the way to and from Ireland. Marcus Freeman flew economy on the way back. Kaiser said Sam Hartman gave up his first-class seat to Holden Stays. How cool is that, Darren? That is really great and showing great leadership. That's fantastic. That and is Marcus Freeman too, right? Great leadership. Yep, absolutely. Great leadership. Hey, so one of our, well, as we yeah. wrap up, let me just say this. One of the comments was asking if our radio show on Saturday was on YouTube. It is not streamed on YouTube. So it's 960 a.m. if you're in South Bend, wsbtradio.com. We have a free WSBT radio app, and I think they do an audio feed on the Twitch app. So there are four options to listen to the radio show. And, and maybe at some point, Tyler, you can just send a link of our stream and put it on blue and gold so people have an easy time finding it. Yeah, I think I might have slipped my mind to do that this past weekend. But going forward, that should definitely be a staple. And I'll just say how easy it is. Uh, the the WSBT.com player or uh, – or whatever the website is, the, the one um, that you send me, Darren. I have an uncle, shout out Andy, who lives in Temple, Texas. And I'm pretty sure every single week, uh, Wednesdays, and now it's going to be Mondays, he's listening for the 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, from Temple, Texas, every single week. It's that easy. Laptop, phone, whatever, whatever you got, put it on. Um, and that's a great segment. And then uh, our radio show this past Saturday was phenomenal. Uh, we got into so much and it's going to be a weekly staple. So yeah, you can listen live on uh, WSBT's website. I highly recommend that. All right. Well, great job. Spend maybe five minutes with your pup because he's yeah. getting a little love tonight too. He's and locked so up in the room right now. I, I can't <laughs> believe come home, put him right into the room. There you go. Well, Hey, what, what kind of dog dad am I? <laughs> well hey anything great. for notre dame football that's right hey great job over there in ireland with all the work you did i know it's not easy being on the road especially in another country so fantastic job thanks for sharing your adventures and thanks for doing this tonight this might be our longest show of the year and you're doing it with zero sleep an hour and 27 minutes so job well done yeah we're definitely gonna try to keep these to around that hour mark but um <laughs> Yeah, straight straight, straight to bed for me right now. I think it was a great show, though. And catch us next week. Again, this one was on Tuesday because I was uh, took a little time to travel home from Europe. 
But going forward, Mondays at 3 p.m., get you through the end of your workday. If you can't watch live, you can watch it back at our YouTube channel for sure. And then this will also be on Apple and uh, Spotify, wherever you get your, your podcasts. Get some sleep. We will see you on Saturday. All right, Darren. For Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, I'm WSBT Radio's Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the ball game on Saturday and go Irish. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.